Well, dang. We were hoping for a surprise yesterday at 5 o'clock. No surprise happened this time around for an elite recruit. We've seen it a couple times this cycle. Uh, unfortunately, OU was on the bad end of uh, one of those surprises with David Hicks. Cade McDonald picks Ohio State yesterday. Four-star defensive lineman who you really, really wanted. And now, Parker, you're seeing some other offers go out to you know, find some interior defensive linemen. And one of those being a three-star defensive lineman out of L.A., Ashton Sanders with a whole lot of Pac-12 offers. Uh, I guess we know how Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter affects OU recruiting, Tyler. Yes, we're yes. seeing it. That was about the time that Ohio State made their move for Cade McDonald. I'm just saying, connect the dots. I, no, in all seriousness, though, as far as the as far as the recourse for Oklahoma in the aftermath of McDonald's commitment, uh, they did go out and offer Ashton Sanders last night. They offered Marcus Strong over the weekend. Three-star you, Tyler. Let's go. Three-star you. Yeah, I there, can't wait to get a lot those of comments are, to get on the text line. Yeah, and they're going to they're gonna start coming. They will. You would think that enduring what we all endured in the months of May and June would have helped people to wise up to the fact that the sky isn't falling, but... I get the sense that with a certain contingent, that isn't the case. I've seen some Todd Bates slander here over the course of the past couple of days, and I'm like, man, really? I, look, I, yes, I am bummed too that they didn't get Cade McDonald yesterday. I'm still bummed about the whole David Hicks situation over a month ago, but they still have the best defensive line class they've had in a long time, and they still have the number six overall class. And everyone, just chill, okay? I, they're, they're going to get someone before National Signing Day. It may be a three-star that you don't like or see the potential with, but OU is not going to strike out on every single prospect from here until National Signing Day. I know it might feel like that could happen. They are not going to strike out. In fact, I would say that it's a likely scenario that they get at least one more top 100 player before we get to Signing Day, or at least on Signing Day, whatever. I I would take the over on one top 100 player also. Yeah, there you go. Just trying to throw out a little optimism today when it comes Stop to Stop pumping sunshine, Tyler. I know. I got that one yesterday saying, uh, you know, oh, you didn't beat uh, Iowa State Sooner style, so quit pumping uh, sunshine. <laughs> I'm like, you gave them their first loss since the 2019 bowl game they played in against Notre Dame. I don't know exactly what Sooner style means, but they handed a team its worst loss in like three years. I think that that should count, right? Is that really their worst loss in three years? Uh, the 2019 Cheez-It Bowl against Notre Dame. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. That was the last time they lost a game by two touchdowns? Um, a game, yeah. I think they only had one other double-digit loss since then, and wow. it was the Iowa game from last year where they lost by 10. So this year's team, where Dylan Gabriel had less than 150 yards passing, handed Iowa State its worst loss in almost three years. Isn't that nuts? It's not Sooner style, though, Tyler. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at Ashton Sanders today. Uh, three, again, three-star player, 6'3", 295 pounds out of L.A. Nice little offer list. Yeah, uh, what it Wisconsin, Arizona State, Cal, Notre Dame, Utah, Washington. Let's call it how it is, Parker. It's it's a plan B here Yep. from two really, no really good defensive linemen. But no doubt. We'll, we'll see if they can close in on these uh, plan B uh, type of players. Well... And as we've talked about, plan A isn't 100% off the table because the conversations with DJ Hicks are ongoing. But uh, even so, 
you'd like to have a true zero tech, a true nose tackle in this class, and that would have been Caden McDonald. Uh, it doesn't really seem like Oklahoma – well, it, I guess it more seems like Oklahoma has kind of moved on from Marcus Deal and Johnny Bowens. Not a whole lot of buzz there for OU anymore. Yeah, so. it was it was because we talked about all three of those guys, including McDonald. What a few weeks ago, like, all right, you missed out on David Hicks. What's next? And they went all in on McDonald, and not really after the other two guys. To kind of go with what you're saying there on the text line, a lot of people on Twitter are saying Bates isn't that dude and want him. Gone. <laughs> oh my God, really? Like, wait, those are real takes that are out there. It's been God, eight games. Seriously. Uh, isn't that dude just, in terms it, of a D-line coach? Isn't that dude in recruiting? I mean, I think both of those takes could be or are really bad, but wow. Oh, my gosh. You, you, you can't fix stupidity, and that's just pure stupidity. When you're writing Todd Bates's epitaph after eight games and two misses on the if recruiting he, it, Hey, it, One he, miss as well that was due entirely to the fact, well, okay, I won't go there. You all know where that's going. I, if you want to fire Todd Bates, you know who would welcome him with open arms? <laughs> Anybody? I, Clemson, the, the school that he left uh, about eight months ago. They would take him back in a heartbeat and pay him a lot of money to do so. So just calm down, everyone. Calm down. They'll they'll figure it out. Like they're they're not going to have a maybe a five star interior guy. We'll see what happens with David Hicks down the stretch. But this class is still going to be top ten and probably top eight. What is it? Number six. As it sits today, and as they've been for a while now, they've been a commit away from being like the number three overall class. So it's not it's not doom and gloom here. This listener says, we are such a spoiled fan base. I would bet an absurd amount of money that most of the Doomers live in Edmond. So wow. much entitlement. Dang. <laughs> Shout out hey, to all of our Edmund Edmund catching listeners. a stray on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, the idiot is right. We didn't win in Sooner style. We won with defense and not in a shootout. Todd Bates can't help where the program is at with defensive linemen. And uh, also, that is also true. Uh, you look at that crop of interior defensive linemen right now. I really like Jalen Redmond. Uh, Jeffrey Johnson doesn't really seem like he's lived up to the billing, which... You know, I guess it, it it is what it is in that regard. Yep. But we talk about this a lot, and it's not a matter of trying to kick the can down the road. But there's got to be a certain element of patience and a belief that once Bates's guys get to Norman, things are going to change. Because, again, Tyler, it's not as if Todd Bates is some completely unquantified variable as a coach. It's not as if we have no idea what he can accomplish. Was he a recruiter of the year at Clemson? Yes, in one season. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. In terms of um, assistant coaches that you've brought in, has did anyone have a better resume as a defensive line coach and a recruiter as Todd Bates? Did he have the best resume of anyone that you brought along? I'm pretty sure. That, as I recall, Tyler. When Brent Venables brought Todd Bates over from Clemson, when he was able to convince Bates to come to Norman as defensive tackles coach and co-defensive coordinator, that was a move that the entire nation, like the national media, were going, oh boy, that's scary. Todd Bates was the guy at Clemson where you weren't really sure if he was going to leave because of what he'd already established there. And I guess the one guy that Brent failed to bring over, tried and failed to bring over, was Wes Goodwin, who's now the defensive coordinator at Clemson. But 
for the for most of the month of December, there was some uncertainty as to whether Bates was going to make the move. But once the move was made, that's when everybody kind of went collectively went. Oh boy, Venable's building himself a staff here. Yeah. I, I fear that we're in the situation now. Now that Caden McDonald's committed to Ohio State, David Hicks committed to Texas A and M, that anyone else, Parker, that you get at that position, especially someone that has three stars attached to their name, it's not widely going to be accepted or widely going to be said. You know, oh, this guy just sucks. But I definitely think that there's going to be some of that out there, which is which is ridiculous. Like they're probably not going to get a better player at the position than Caden McDonald and David Hicks. But whoever they get at that spot doesn't automatically have to suck just because they have three stars next to their name. And some people are gonna hate to hear this, but like sometimes I wish Oklahoma fans had the same like sometimes I wish Oklahoma was on the same plane as Kansas State. Because it's gotta be a super easy life to be a Kansas State fan. Right? Every year your expectation is, oh, seven, eight wins. Anything on top of that is gravy. You bring in a recruiting class full of a bunch of three stars that get undervalued by the rest of the country. Oftentimes you are that recruit's only power five offer. And then year in and year out, you win games you shouldn't on paper. Including Oklahoma. You play play in bowl games. They may win a Big 12 championship this year, man. Again, like, sometimes I wish OU fans had that same attitude. Sometimes, Because we got, we got a text earlier, and the text, I believe I'm quoting directly if my memory serves me right. The text said, 10-3 and three at Oklahoma is a catastrophic failure. Really? Yes. Um, I'm not, not like, this so, year. Somebody, te- somebody typed that out and believed it. Felt sincere enough to send that text. Yeah. Look, I, I am uh, I am cool with pressure from the fan base, but I, I don't know. Sometimes it gets like a little extreme, like saying Todd Bates needs to go after eight months. Todd Bates is just fine. This this recruiting class is just fine. Yes, it was a bummer that you missed out on these two guys, but like we've been saying, the David Hicks uh, scenario, situation, saga, whatever, is not over just yet. If A&M continues to implode down the stretch and they got to – they got another interesting game coming up on Saturday against Florida. Then maybe the David Hicks situation can turn around. As we've been saying now for a couple of weeks, just watch that Oklahoma State game. If David Hicks makes it in town for the Bedlam game, I think it's anyone's game at that point. right? I, that was true last week, and I think yeah. it's true again this week. No, that holds true, 100%. If David Hicks gets back to Norman, suddenly all bets are off. Uh, this listener for the 918 says, if our fan base was like Kansas State, you wouldn't be on the radio, Parker. Listen, I get that. I love you all. I'm just saying, some of y'all need to chill out a little bit. Isn't applicable to all of you. There are a lot of really rational Sooner fans out there. But some of y'all are over the top. 405-651-3439. I feel like we've had about 100 texts rolling this first segment, so we'll do our best to uh, get to all of those and more coming up. Yeah, we got a lot of recruiting to talk about. There's a couple new offers out there. Ashton Sanders, three-star defensive lineman out of L.A. Jeremiah Newcomb, uh, also a new offer as well. Oh, Bobby Newcomb's kid. Oh, is that who that is, yeah, really? The former yeah. Nebraska Cornhusker? Yep, there you go. Uh-oh. Do you think they can get the Husker legacy? Or is he locked in? Does he feel the pressure? He's a to help build it back. That's build, a long way off. Build it back up. All right, more to come. Keep it locked right here on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.
this afternoon. Did you hear any of that, by the way? Yeah. Okay. I, I like totally lost sound in my headset for like five seconds, so I'm just making sure I was actually going out over the air. But the Ref Army, they're tuned in across the country. Hayden, Idaho, Brooklyn, New York, Lenexa, Kansas, Marble Falls, Texas, Bentonville, Arkansas, Montreal, Canada is even tuned in today. Hello! Love you, Montreal. Small Oklahoma town of the day, Canton, Oklahoma. Canton, Oklahoma. No uh, football Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Oklahoma. Yeah, no, where, where is Canton? Canton is uh, west of Hennessy. West of Hennessy. As I looked at it on the map. Okay. So, Canton, Oklahoma. Never been to Hennessy, certainly never been to Canton. But, welcome to the show. Yes. Uh, let's see. Colin Brokenbow says, how about Valiant as our Oklahoma small town of the day? Home of former OU women's basketball coach Burl Plunkett, 1993 to 1996. So, we have two uh, Oklahoma small towns of the day. I wonder how many small towns that we have left that we can include on the show. Uh, we're going to start quite needing a few. Quite Ref a few. Army. We're going to start needing uh, text submissions every single day for a small town. Of the no, day. no, don't ask for text submissions, Tyler. I need then, then we're going to spend the entirety of this segment reading all of the Oklahoma small towns. Okay, that text in, and then we're not okay. going to use any. For so the next. I would rather do this if the text line really wants to throw out a uh, a ton of names to us because we get the question every single day, right? Hey. Who do y'all think the next commit is going to be? And what have we said recently? I I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, I can give a guess for you, but it's really hard to tell right now who the next commit was going to be. We kind of say, I don't know. I We can ask the text line who they think the next commit is going to be, and maybe we can come up with something that actually sounds like a likely possibility. Yeah, I don't know. The, I, like, I, I don't know if I even have a best guess at the answer to that question right now. Because I mean, I hope it's Cecilia Cana. That's why I hope it is. Don't, don't we all, Tyler? Doesn't every Sooner fan hope that it's Cecilia Cana or or Peyton Bowen for that matter? But I, I still think that one's a ways off from being completely decided. November could be one of those months, though, where the Sooners pick up quite a few guys, and uh, you'd figure as we get closer and closer to National Signing Day the Sooners are going to press to have the guys that they're targeting make decisions prior to National Signing Day because if you can get through National Signing Day without the headache of, oh, is this guy going to go, is he going to sign with us or is he going to sign with XYZ other team, uh, everybody's better off for it. So you'd think Venables and the staff are going to push to make that happen. Is Akana still, is he still going to A&M this weekend? Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. And we'll see if he takes a Tennessee visit before the end of the regular season. I'll tell you what, Tyler. Especially if Tennessee wins this weekend in Athens. <laughs> might be time to start worrying about what that program is about to do. Both on the football field and in recruiting. And I think that's a that's a scenario that can absolutely happen. Like, Tennessee beating Georgia. Georgia like, just lost one of their best defensive players uh, for the year. It's a huge loss. And once you beat Alabama, like th- that... That mentally for Tennessee, I, I can't imagine what it did for that team, that program, to take down Goliath in the sport right now, to beat Alabama. I, I think they're mentally ready to play this game on Saturday after beating the Tide at home. They Tennessee are, can go win that they, game. They are one win away. They are 60 minutes this Saturday away from being a problem. A legit problem. Both on the field and on the recruiting trail. Like, I... I'd start to get worried about Tennessee if I were every other 
fan base in America. Yeah, and, and maybe even if they lose, um, it still may be, you know, Tennessee might be the team to really watch down the stretch with all the momentum that they have. One listener says, we can predict, we can predict the next decommit, hashtag Doom Crew. Yeah, no kidding. Someone else said, not Caden McDonald. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, no crap. Uh, I'm not, it, it's not just two guys, says someone from the 405, and that's the problem. Hill, McDonald, Green, Deal, Washington, Starling, Hicks, Wood, Burley, Renaud, Bain, Bowens. Add that to Overton, Sanders, Wingo from the spring. It's all the guys. At this point, Vosick and LeBlanc are the exception and not the rule. Legit reasons to worry. You You don't have enough numbers to get every single one of those guys. Is that what they expected? Like th- This wasn't going to be a class where you can bring in 12 defensive linemen. I mean, are you really going to complain about Vosick and LeBlanc and say that they are the exception and not the rule? You can't get everyone, numbers-wise, that's on your recruiting board. Yeah, that's like, extremely unfair expectations. And looking, and looking through this list, Peter Woods never visited. Vic Burley never visited. Uh, Stephylon Green never visited, never even really gave Oklahoma the time of day. Xavier McLeod, <laughs> he visited, and that was... Oh, I got a few stories about that visit. Um, looking through this list, obviously, look, Hicks went to A&M for reasons. Uh, Jordan Renaud picked Alabama. And look, you can't fault anybody. You, you can't fault any coaching staff that loses a battle to Alabama. If there's one guy you're okay losing to, it's Nick Saban. If there's one guy on the list that I think OU should have pushed harder for, and can't really excuse the loss of, it's Edric Hill. Yeah. Because Edric Hill wanted to be at Oklahoma with his teammate P.J. Atabare, and the Sooners dragged their feet as far as offering him, and by the time uh, they did throw their hat in the ring, Alabama had already established a clear lead in that recruitment. And to be and fair, the landscape of this class looked a little bit different at that time than certainly. it does now. Like, it, it the same situation look happened now, I think OU would have would have pursued Edric Hill hard. But they just had other targets on the board that I yeah. think they really felt good about. Well, and, he, and, like, here's the deal, right? You can't press for all of these guys at the same time. You have to prioritize. And the Sooners did prioritize. The guy they prioritized more so than anybody else was DJ Hicks. And look, losing DJ Hicks to Texas A&M really set things back for Todd Bates because it created a chain reaction. Again, you lose your top priority, you got to start to look at the backup plans. And with as late in the cycle as it was at that point, DJ Hicks committed on September 28th. Obviously, there were going to be guys like Amari Washington, and Joel Starlings, and who else? Vic Burley, I guess you can throw in that list as well. Guys that are already off the board at that point. They're already committed elsewhere. So, look, you got to have a little bit of faith in Bates and understand that Jimbo and A&M threw a big wrench into everything for him. And he's still recovering. Yeah. OU's still recovering. <sighs> Colton Vosick, please, please. It, do not decommit anytime soon. I don't think this fan base can take that if that's going to be the case in the next couple weeks. I'm not saying that that's going to happen or predict. Just judging by the uh, text line today, 
if they were to lose out on Colton Vosick, oh my God, I can't imagine what uh, what we, the text line is going to look we like. Might after. just not show up to work. Woo, it's tough. Yeah, it, it's it's quiet right now on the recruiting front for OU. You're waiting for your next commit to happen. I'll tell you uh, where else it's quiet right now on the recruiting front, and it's been quiet for a long time. USC, dude, and and, and they're still still holding steady as a top fifteen class. They're at number 13 currently. They did not or have not lost Malachi Nelson or Zach Branch. That's really helped keep things together. But, man, um, it's just not – it just hasn't been the recruiting takeover on the West Coast we were led to believe it was going to be. And unless I missed something here recently, it felt like they haven't gotten a, a commit in a while. Uh, they got a uh, – I think they had a four-star edge last week. DJ PV committed to USC. But that's the most recent addition that they've made. Yeah, things have kind of gone stagnant for USC in that regard. And they're going to finish with a class that's in that 10 to 15 range. That's probably the expectation. Um, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Camo Sooner says, Patience is lost on society these days. If you really invest yourself in keeping up with recruiting, it can be quite a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Another says, recruiting isn't for everyone, and that's very evident <laughs> listening, listening to the text line on Locked In. Weak-minded mindset shouldn't be okay losing a recruit to any coach or school. I'm not saying that you have to just be, oh, you know, all happy that you lost Caden McDonald to Ohio State or David Hicks to Texas A&M. What we're saying is this class still is has a very good chance of still being a top-five class and, by the time it's all said and, and, and look, done. And look, you also got to understand – OU isn't the end-all, be-all for every single recruit. There are some kids that you're not, you're just not going to be able to convince them to come to the University of Oklahoma. You're not going to go 25 for 25 every single class or anywhere close to it with your top targets. That's why every single school in America, even Alabama, usually offers north of 200 kids every single cycle. Yeah. Uh, by the way, is this a big recruiting weekend at all for OU? Uh, it's still kind of taking shape. I need to figure out who's coming and who's not. I do know P.J. Adabare is back in town. That is one visit I can confirm right now. Colton Vosick is supposed to be coming, Ooh. I believe. I believe. Wow. Now, again, okay. Like, <laughs> if, That's if a big that, moment. If that doesn't happen, and I think we can all kind of see where this is headed. Oh, he's going to go to Manhattan for the Texas-Kansas State yeah, game. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see what else we got. On the How program. does the rain affect the big recruiting weekends? I'm sure we're going to get that by Thursday. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, somebody said, wish we would have pushed for Amari Washington. I think the staff thought they had Hicks in the bag. Well, they did have Hicks in the bag, to be fair. That changed the morning of his yeah. there was just another. Apparently. There was just another bag a, that uh, came yeah. in. Okay, I wasn't going to say it. I, I, you knew I was going to. Uh-huh. Bates is doing fine, says this listener. Hicks screwed things up. But no conceding losses on the field or in recruiting. Not to Saban, not to Smart, no one. Again, that's just an un, like that's an unrealistic outlook. You're going to have to concede some losses. Like, trust me. The staff could throw, they could put all of their time and effort into trying to flip somebody like Jordan Renaud right now, and it probably wouldn't work. There are some battles you're going to lose. You are not, as of right now, at the University of Oklahoma. You are not the most prestigious football institution in America. Uh, you're certainly not the school that's doing the most in terms of revenue generation for your student-athletes. And so there are going to be kids that prioritize different things, and some of the things that they prioritize will be things that other schools have more 
wherewithal to offer. Yeah. Thank you to someone from the 918 of really putting the uh, the real perspective on this today. I think we're missing the point here. The sea turtles are dying. So that's that's real perspective this afternoon. Forget about the interior defensive linemen that are lost, Parker. Uh, it's more about the sea turtles today. So leave it to the 918 to point that out. Hey, one thing real quick. Um, there is a Buckus Award for high school linebackers, in case anyone did not know that. The Buckus Award, obviously, there's an award for college football linebackers. There's also a Buckus Award for high school players. OU currently has one commit listed as a semifinalist, and that's four-star Lewis Carter out of uh, Tampa, Florida. So if you wanted some good news today, and I don't know the likelihood of him actually winning the thing, but Lewis Carter is a semifinalist for the Buckus Award in high school football today. There you go. I'm sure that's not going to do a whole lot for very many people, but I thought I would at least mention it. Yeah, Lewis Carter, that boy good. You haven't seen his senior film. He's going to be a fun player at the University yeah. of Oklahoma. 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. More to come next. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans. Britt Vittables had his weekly press conference this afternoon and was asked a question about recruiting. Basically, what was the uh, – tell me if I get this right. Basically, what was the, the message to kind of keep things intact during the, the tough month of October that this program had? Yeah, and he did not name drop Malachi Coleman in his answer. He did not name drop Malachi Coleman. Unlike another certain head coach – in college football right now, one that resides in the Big Ten. That happened last week. No, it was about a six-and-a-half-minute response. It was a fascinating response. He said everything from, you know, basically some parents want to act as an agent. Others want to act as, you know, what's really in the best interest of the the football player and the, and the kid. Um, he, I don't know. Take, took a shot at any school is the right way to say it, but he basically said, look, I don't lose any sleep over someone that we didn't get via recruiting. I'll only lose sleep if the guys actually enroll here, play here, and then they leave. It was, um, it was, a, it was a lot to unpack from that long comment that he had, but if you've really paid attention to OU football recruiting, you can kind of, without saying the names, you can kind of tell of what he thinks about current situations. And a couple of players in this recruiting class, I think, I mean, David Hicks might be one of them with the comment that I just said. Like, he's not losing sleep over David Hicks. That's kind of what I got from, from today. Yeah, He's the only one around here. Well, again, because I think, look, if you put yourself in a coach's shoes, I, I don't want to say recruiting is on the back burner, but what you have to be primarily preoccupied with is the guys in your locker room, game planning for the next week figuring out how you can enhance your product on the field and get the most out of the players that are wearing your jersey. And so, look, Venables and his staff are very proactive recruiters. They're notorious in that regard. But in the grand scheme, I understand why Venables would make that comment because at the end of the day, the guys that put their names on the paper that says OU on signing day – 
those are the guys that you're going to be walking into battle with for the years to come. And those are the guys that you have to then pour your time and effort and energy into improving and building relationships with and building trust with. And so, yeah, look, what what you can expect is that for a guy like DJ Hicks, right, the line isn't going to go dead, and it hasn't, and the Sooners are going to keep pursuing him all the way up until he signs somewhere. But the second that possibility, the second the possibility of somebody like DJ Hicks enrolling at the University of Oklahoma and wearing the Crimson Cream is off the table. Venables isn't going to give that a second thought. Yeah. And how many times have you heard after, you know, OU loses out on a recruit this cycle of, well, they're going to have to reevaluate their stance on NIL. They're going to have to reevaluate their stance on the visit policy, all that. You know, one thing I took from today, and he didn't talk individually about the visit policy or how they view NIL or anything like that. Um, whether you like it or not, uh, Brent, Brent's not changing his overall recruiting philosophy. Could he tinker with some minor things here and there? I mean, even that's a maybe, but I don't I, I don't think that it's reactionary to him at all. He's not going to change things just because they've maybe lost out on a couple defensive linemen up to this point. Uh, like, have, have some respect for what Brent Venables has accomplished with that recruiting philosophy. Because, look, I understand that there are some folks – that want to jam the panic button with both hands based on Oklahoma's 5-3 and three start in year one. But lest we forget, that recruiting philosophy reaped some pretty substantial benefits at Clemson, Tyler, to the tune of two national championships and several additional college football playoff appearances. Yeah, and it, it already has shown, um, shown up here. Uh, they, they closed with the number 10 overall class last year, right? And they've got the number six overall class, which, by the way, Bama's at number one by a wide margin. Bama's going to finish with the number one overall class. Georgia is at number two. Really feels like Georgia's going to finish with the number two overall class. You got Notre Dame at three, uh, Ohio State at four, and then the margin's really tight between Texas at five, OU at six, and LSU at seven. Miami's back at eight. Florida's at nine. Clemson is at ten. Some other notables, USC is at 13. A&M is at 17. Baylor's at 21. Tech is at 22. TCU is at 23. And then you've got Oklahoma State all the way back right now as I continue to scroll all the way back at number 76 with just 10 commits and 10 three-star commits. So, like, judging by the numbers and what OU can still get in this class, yeah, I feel very strongly that this is going to end up being a top-10 class. And honestly, I I feel strongly that this is going to be a top-8 class. And they still got a great chance if you close out on Akana and maybe get a couple of other – if you get a Bowen or a Hicks, I think there's a great chance you end up with the top five class by the time it's all said and done. And so much of this is about having a staff that can leverage the prestige factor, right? Because the University of Oklahoma is still a blue-blood institution in college football. And you look at the top ten, the names of the schools you rattled off, Tyler, there's – well, there are two common denominators, two common threads – you got a whole bunch of schools that are highly prestigious, that are blue bloods, and you got a you got a few schools sprinkled in there that are just spending a whole bunch of money. And in today's day and age, that's what wins you recruiting battles. It's prestige slash winning, prestige and or winning, and being able to. <laughs> drop a bag here, drop a bag there. Yeah, and getting kids to the NFL is pretty big as well. 
having some uh, NFL draft pedigree, uh, some of those schools there at the top, especially Bama and Georgia, LSU's in the top eight, they got that. I mean, that's that's a pretty big part of it, and too. And you, you know yeah. what Brent Venables did a lot of at Clemson? He got a lot of dudes to the NFL. So, OU's got a pretty rock-solid pitch in that regard. Uh, Colton Vosick, I asked you earlier if this is going to be a big recruiting weekend. You said that he's scheduled to be in town this weekend. Um, going to be a pretty big t- takeaway if he doesn't make his way to Norman this Saturday, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, what do you think, though, if he does make – like, is this – I don't think that this is necessarily the overall deciding factor, though if he doesn't make it, I think that that's pretty telling. Do, what, like, what's going to be your takeaway if he does end up making it to Norman on Saturday? Nothing, because he was scheduled to be here, so yeah, not that I big mean, of a he's, deal. He's had this date circled for quite some time. So, again, if he comes on Saturday, everybody's going to want to know, oh, what's what's new in Colton Vosick's recruitment? What's changed? The answer is probably going to be nothing in the aftermath because I still expect this to be a really tough decision for Colton Vosick, and I expect it to be one that runs all the way up to, or at the very least close to, National Signing Day. And so – if he is in Norman on Saturday, I don't think it's terribly significant in the grand scheme. What is significant is if he doesn't show up. Because if he doesn't show up, and if you're reading between the lines, if you're connecting the dots, that doesn't bode well for Oklahoma's chances of keeping him committed. Sure. Uh, we got to get some text coming up next segment. 405-651-3439. We'll even give you our... Uh, Early week feel on this OU-Baylor game on Saturday as the Sooners are currently listed as a three-and-a-half point favorites over the Bears and Norman. Final segment of Locked In's next. Keep it locked in the ref. Elite Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Elite Roofing System, they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. EliteRoofOK.com, or you can give them a call, 405-361-3094. That's 405-361-3094. Elite Roofing Systems, bringing you this hour of Locked In. Uh, there's some stories coming out now about uh, Brian Harson's firing and some of the inside happenings that uh, oh boy. that's uh, happened at Auburn. AL.com has a story, and I guess there was a quote in it, um, where Brian Harson and Derek Mason, who's now the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, uh-huh. had a disagreement last year, and Derek Mason told Brian Harson, quote, I've been a head coach in this league longer than you have. How did Brian Harson reply? He said, quote, oh, you mean at Vanderbilt? <laughs> That's how he responded. Oh, man. Yeah, I've heard. I, I've heard a lot of stories about Harson and Auburn during the season and a half long experiment that was. I don't know how many of them are accurate or credible, but I and they're not quite like Urban Meyer in Jacksonville oh, level of eye popping, but. There, there are quite a few stories that if if you heard them, you'd just be like, "Oh, that's not great." Yeah, 
Uh, well, and I guess the the Auburn firing kind of goes to this uh, question on the text line. Any chance at getting some high end recruits at the last minute from teams that are firing their coach at season? I mean, end? yes, and this is this is another thing to keep in mind is that there is always a ton of late movement in the recruiting cycle, and there may be some high profile guys that come back on the market because of turnover at within the coaching staff at the institution that they're committed to. Perfect example in last cycle would be Grayson Halton, yep. who was committed to Oregon for almost a full year. And then Mario Cristobal heads down to Miami, and boom, Grayson Halton all of a sudden needs a new destination. Oklahoma started recruiting him, got him on the official visit. It was a wrap. So, I mean, we only need one big domino to fall to see, you know, maybe a scenario like that. And there's enough jobs open. I mean, I, I don't think that there's a top 10 job that's open right now, but hey, we, we saw some craziness last year, Parker, with Mule Shoe going to SC, Cristobal going to Miami, Brian Kelly going to LSU. I don't think we're going to have that crazy of a uh, coaching carousel this offseason, but. Dude, who knows? I, I, anything could happen, man. If Jimbo were to uh, go to West Virginia at the end of the year or something crazy like that, it just takes one domino to fall. Yeah, no to really joke. Get things going. Like, it's, there's, there's a persistent belief, which is kind of surprising to me, but I've talked to a couple of folks in the last 24 hours that have been like, no, that, that Lane Kiffin-Auburn thing's legit, which I didn't believe at first. I was like, there's no way Lane Kiffin would leave You don't think he's just trying to position himself for a massive pay raise at Ole Miss? And and that could also be the case. But apparently there are those behind the scenes that think that deal's legit. So there are going to be dominoes that fall in the coaching carousel. There are every single year. And there will be schools that stand to benefit from late flips and decommitments. Oklahoma could be one of those programs. But here's the thing. What that means is y'all are going to have to be patient. Because none of that's going to happen until December, probably a week or so before National Signing Day. Oh, boy. I don't know if we can wait that long. That's what I'm saying, Tyler. That's what I'm worried about. Uh, Urban and Auburn kind of go together in a weird way. Yeah, both are psychopaths for the most part. Uh, Peyton says, if he doesn't show up, it's over, no matter what he says as an excuse. Talking about Colton Vosick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would say that's pretty true. If Vosick doesn't make it up to Norman – this weekend, then the writing is on the wall in very large letters. Well, he does have a uh, potential excuse not to make it up here with the uh, wild weather that's in the forecast, especially on Friday. Yeah, guys, I couldn't make it up there, man. Reed Timmer was chasing uh, tornadoes all over the state, and I just couldn't make it up to Norman. Uh, as long as BV doesn't throw R.W. McCorder's hat in the garbage, OU will be just fine. Says That's a uh, recruiting story that I think a lot of OU fans of the 90s will get that reference. Yep. Very, very nice. Was that Schnelly? That was Schnelly, right? That was Schnelly. Yeah, I think that was Schnelly in, uh-huh. his, in, his, uh, in his office. Ugh. Jeez. <laughs> you would talk about it. That's a, that's a disaster. Uh, early week feel on this game on Saturday. Uh, it's, it's tough to project because – Baylor is a bit more of a streaky team than I figured they would be. And it kind of feels like maybe they're trending like OU to playing their best ball. Yeah, get that feeling. They just won in Lubbock in very impressive fashion. 45 to 17. That game was a blowout. And so I you remember when OU went to Waco last year? Baylor looked like a decent team, sure, but I don't think anybody was expecting OU to get it put it on them like they did. Because 
I'm fairly certain that was just one week after Chandler Morris torched Baylor's defense. It was. It was the very next week. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we saw last year just how high the highs could be and how low the lows could be for Dave Aranda and this Baylor team. And I kind of figured that 2022 would bring some additional stability in that regard. I don't know that it has. So I don't know which Baylor team we're going to get this weekend. Are we going to get the Baylor team that just throttled Texas Tech on the road? Or are we going to get the Baylor team that went out to Provo earlier in the year and looked pretty stagnant in a loss to a BYU team that hasn't been that great either? The good news here in Baylor is better uh, than OU, uh, certainly at some spots across the defense. The same thing is true this week um, that it was last week. OU is OU is better. And I think that there's a pretty good gap uh, between Dylan Gabriel and Blake Shapin. I, I would I think agree. Dylan Gabriel is definitely the better quarterback here. Hopefully the text um, line can agree. Yeah, I've got like 31-27 early week feel, picking OU to win. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm about in that neighborhood. I think it'll be a good game, probably not a game that's decided by more than a couple possessions, if that. Uh, but I, I do favor Oklahoma, and I think the difference is going to be the play of Dylan Gabriel because – but that that and the scheming of Jeff Levy, because what killed Oklahoma last year in Waco was rush three, drop eight. Yep. Right. And look, if and also their offensive line pushing a ball carrier eight yards yeah, for like happened. a fourth and one or a first down or whatever it was, it was like the that, most embarrassing defensive play of the year. That, that was also Ugh. a thing that happened. But because uh, if if Jeff Levy sees Baylor rushing three and dropping eight. He's just going to hand the ball to Eric Gray 35 times. Well, he should. If Kiffin goes to Auburn, does Levy leave for Ole Miss? I do think Levy would get an interview there because I think the AD is the same guy at Ole Miss. Yeah, it has to be the same guy at Ole Miss as when he was there. Yeah, well. And and, and what I heard is the AD knows – you know, how much control Jeff Levy had over that program when he was there. But also, There's some respect there. I think it's going to be very difficult the way things are headed in this new era of college football for anybody to get their first head coaching job in the new SEC. Yeah. I feel like if Ole Miss lost Kiffin, they in turn would swing for the fences as well. And so they, I don't and think they probably the could. They, they could land a pretty big. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that Jeff Levy would get that job, but do I think he'd get an interview? Yeah. I think he would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he would definitely get an interview. Sure. Who will be the best running back on the field on Saturday? It's a great question because. Richard Reese, man. He's got the most rushing touchdowns in the conference this year. Yeah, he's all right. He's good. Um, I'll say Eric Gray, but It'll be tight. pretty close. Um, Baylor's going to have better running backs than Iowa State. That's not hard to do, no, but Baylor will have better backs hard. than Iowa State. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref.